0: Today, I, I'm, we're on our second message on the proverbial life. Uh, next week, we're going to talk about the tongue. Uh, so bring it, bring your tongue with you. We're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about words, how you use words, how the meaning of what Proverbs says about us using words. And the next week, I'll deal with parenting out of Proverbs. This week, I want to talk about friends. Uh, my title is Friends Are Us. It sounds a little cheesy, maybe even a little funky, but. But uh, I don't know, maybe when it's over, you'll, you'll get it, I hope. But you know how many know you do things for friends that you normally would not do? But because of friends, you, you, you do things. Um, one of the gifts that I received from my birthday was uh, to, to go to the Cowboys-Cardinals game, which I could care less about either one, could care less, about either one. I think Cowboy fans are some of the most delusional people on the planet. Every time they win, they think they've won the Super Bowl. Every time they win, delusional. And so I go with a group of friends, the Escobars and I, we go to the game and everybody's, you know, go Cowboys, you're walking down and everybody's, you know, cheering you on. And the reason they would cheer me on is because I'd done something. I'm confessing it because it's a one-time sin. This is a one-time sin. I actually wore a cowboy jersey. It's a one-time sin. I am fully repenting before the congregation. I will never wear a cowboy jersey again. Jesus has forgiven me, and you need to forgive me also. But I did it by friends. I did it with, because of friends. They wanted to take a picture soon as the picture was over, I was Superman busting out of my jersey. Here was is the issue. There was a study that was done about 30 years ago by sociologists that identified what they call, the word that they used was a commodification of friendships. And they, they put out reports of what they saw happening, that friends was becoming like a commodity something that has a purpose it has an end of itself and if that end is not met or after that end is met that's the end of the friendship that's the end of the relationship and and you you do see that unfortunately more often now you can see it in even in friendships with people that you might have had for years or people who've had friendship for years and Whatever the purpose of that friendship was, when that's no longer happening, then they dismiss the friendship. C.S. Lewis said about 60 years ago in his book, Four Loves, he says, because we don't really value friendship, friendship is the first relationship that's squeezed out of our lives. It's the first one that's squeezed out. There's massive stuff in Proverbs about friendship Neighbors, actually, the same Hebrew word, um, rakah, I believe is how you say it. The same Hebrew word, arah, is the same word for neighbors. So there's a one passage in here that I'm going to use that actually says neighbors, but it's the same word as friends. There's a great poet, some of you probably heard of, Samuel Coleridge. He was uh, his wife. He was preparing to get married, and his wife died of cancer. I'm sorry, he was recently married, and his wife died of cancer. He was lonely. He was struck then later on with rheuma, uh, rheumatoid arthritis. And he thought the way to solve his loneliness and this, to work through this disease was to take opiums. And eventually he got addicted, started hearing voices in his head. And he ran into a guy by the name of Williams Words, uh, Wordsworth, another great poet. And he just began to talk to him. It was a happenstance, he thought. And it eventually developed into a friendship. He wrote a poem about William Wordsworth. And I think the best line in that poem is, friendship is a sheltering tree. And he talked about the, the, the beauty of this friendship that he had. He described it as green leaves and leafy limbs that covered him and around him and shaded him and walked him, kept him from the sun and all the adversity that he was going through and walked him through a season of life that to him reminded him of being under a sheltering tree. Friends have that that, um, place in your life. They have that role. They have that ability to do that. I I, I can tell you without question uh, in my life, there's no way I would be the man that I am without the friendships that God has cultivated and shaped in my life over the years. There's no way. And some of my best friends are right here in the, in the church. People that have done things that they didn't have to, to do. And I've, I've thought about just a few of those things. And it's, it's not necessarily to point anybody out, but it's the kind of things that I've noted and I've, I've never forgotten. I was, I was a young... Uh, preacher. I think I had just started the church. I know it was early on. We hadn't been a church very long. And I've told, most of you have heard this story. I, I never had a whole lot of money. Even when I started the church, I was only making $17,000 a year. Uh, didn't have any support, didn't have any backing, would use my own money for the church. And, um, and then I would um, do everything I could out of my budget to try to you know keep the lights on and keep the little building going that we had that we had rented from from Andy just to just to uh keep the church going three children but my ministry was starting to develop in bud and there was a church uh, at the time honestly I can't remember if it was Albuquerque or El Paso that had called me to come preach for him doing some kind of youth service on a Friday night or something of that nature and uh, nowadays things are done a little bit different, or I, I, we work on things a little bit different, but I had to use my own money to buy the ticket. I didn't have enough money to buy a round-trip ticket. So I bought a one-way ticket and, and hoped that maybe they would give me some kind of honorarium for coming, or at least reimburse me for my cost to come, to come home. Went there, preached, and no, no honorarium, no offering, not even to ask, you know, how you getting home type deal. Uh, just kind of took me to the uh, to the airport. And uh, I actually had enough cash in my pocket to buy a, a ticket one way to get me from, it was either, again, either Albuquerque or El Paso to Phoenix, but had no manner of getting any farther from that. Just thought, well, I'll get to Phoenix and just see if I can get from there. And, and um, I, got, I got to Phoenix, had no way of, of getting... Getting from there, I called home and said, well, this is where I am and don't know how I'm going to get from here. But we'll just see the Lord to provide. And uh, Andy happened to call to look for me. Andy Torres found out that I was in Phoenix and was stuck in Phoenix. And so I'm just in the airport just asking God to help me get home. And I hear my name called on the deal, Tyrone Jones, can you come to gate so-and-so, and got to the gate, and Andy had paid for me a ticket to get home. Those are the kind of things, those are small things, but they mean something. I came home this weekend, and uh, Robert Garcia had made a, a, a swing, put a swing together, one of them little nice little swings like, like you do, well, like people sit in when they get old. You know, one of those when they get retired, one of those kind of swings. He had made me want to put those, one of those nice swings together and had it in my, in my backyard. I didn't ask him, had no idea he was doing it, but that's just... Friendship That's friendship It was a time when uh, my son was in, in trouble and in some legal trouble And I needed to get an attorney to, to, to try to work him through the process Not knowing how it was going to end And I, I hardly ever can tell this story without crying But I, I'm, I'm going to try to today And once I knew what kind of trouble he was in I knew that there was no way financially I was going to be able to get him out And I had one friend who called said that they would, that that I want my, that I want my son out of the, out of jail. And of course I wanted my son out of jail. I figured the best way to try to help him is to get him out of there and try to work through that. And, but I said, I didn't have the money. And next day I get the call. They had went down and put the $2,700 down to get him out of jail, never even brought up the money again, went and got an attorney, and the attorney was going to cost $10,000. we are working through the process. I told him I didn't have the money. He just said, come on, let's just see what we can do. we see what we can do. My bottom line was, I walk out of the attorney's office on the day of the court case, and someone from the church is standing there with a $10,000 check to pay the attorney. And I'm going to tell you to this day, that couple has never, ever, ever said anything about that money at all. Not one word friends. And I walked through the process of determining that I wanted to get married. The first person I talked to outside of my family and my elders was Jane Bell. Jane has always been a good friend to me, and I walked through the process of what heart and mind and all of that. I I could go on. There's so many of you here that's been tremendous friends, but I say that because of the value of friendship. The scripture tells us this that God never designed us to be alone. We see it right from the beginning. And not necessarily in every case is that talking about just marriage alone, but, but in relationship and companionship. That's why we believe in community. But God told Adam, it's not good for man to be alone. I will make a suitable helper for him. Mind you, Adam is in the garden with God. And they're walking in the garden together every single day. And oftentimes I hear people say, I don't need nobody, I got God. So did Adam. So did Adam. And even God himself said to Adam, it's not good for men to be alone, men and women. And talking about companionship, friendship, listen to this, Proverbs 27, 17. As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. As steel is designed to sharpen steel, so is friends designed to sharpen us. And the big idea of this is really simple. God designed for us to have healthy friendships that help us in life, and watch this, enables us to live unselfishly as modeled by Jesus Christ. Because this is what you know about friendship. If you have friends that invest their life in you, You learn to live life unselfishly being a friend to another, and Jesus Christ models that. And so when we look at Proverbs, and most of the passages that I'm going to give you, maybe all of them, are coming out of Proverbs except to when we get to the end. We learn from just the Proverbs alone that friends are essential. They're not not optional. There's no substitute for friends. There's no there's nothing that can alleviate loneliness. And, and a lot of times that's cultivated in the marriage relationship. I think two people that are married should be friends, should be best friends, actually. Uh, but it cultivates, it, it, it alleviates that loneliness and that care. And uh, someone that can listen to you and you'll listen to them and you feel comfortable with. And even someone who can repro- reprove you when it's needed. Proverbs 17, 17 says this, A friend is always loyal. And a brother is born to help in time of need. Listen to what that passage says. A friend is always loyal. And the reason friends are there is that because they can love you through all kinds of weather. All kinds of stuff. That's how the message says that all kinds of of weather. I I don't know. I'm probably dating myself. But when I wrote this message and, and I read what the message said about friends love through all kinds of weather, I thought about that new edition song when it says about the sun, but it says, can you stand the rain? Because I'm telling you, if you're in my life, it's going to rain, Jack. Can you stand the rain? But anyway, the passage says, friends love you through all kinds of weather. But the, but the proverb also talks about friendship and how that's cultivated and what the, what the result of it is. Listen to this out of New Living. It says, the heartfelt counsel of a friend is as sweet, as perfume and incense listen never abandon a friend either yours or your father's when disaster strikes you won't have to ask your brother for assistance it's better to go to a neighbor than a brother who lives far away and how many times we have those stories actually we've seen it just through all these tragedies where the storms are those are neighbors helping neighbors. Family members in a lot of cases are far apart, distant away, and sure, some family I'm sure is going in and doing the best they can, but that's neighbors helping neighbors because you cultivate that kind of relationship with people that you're close to. Friendship, neighbors, etc. But if they're that important, then I think the first thing that you should understand from this, then you, you need to choose friends carefully. You need to choose them carefully. If they're going to have that impact on your life, and you want them to. And and here's the deal with with friends. Friends are not like family. Family, we get them, whether we want them or not. They just, I mean, Uncle Billy is just there. You didn't choose him. He is there. And that aunt is just who she is. And sometimes even in sibling relationships, that your brother is your brother and your sister is your sister. You didn't choose him. Family is just family, but friends, you can choose, and it needs to be mutual. I I always say this about friendship. Friendship ought to be as natural as breathing. I don't know. I'm not. I don't walk around saying, I'm breathing. I'm breathing. It's natural. I'm just breathing. But when when I'm not breathing properly, something's wrong. Y'all seen the difference naturally. Friendship ought to be that way. It ought to be natural. And if you both choose each other, there's no problem. But have you ever had one of those cases where somebody wanted to be your friend, but you don't want to be their friend, and it gets kind of awkward because they trying to make a friend out of you, but you're not, you're sure that that ain't a friendship. I would choose. Anybody ever been there or just, just me? Those are some awkward Y'all don't want to say nothing because y'all sitting by one. But anyway, but you know, those are some awkward, awkward moments. But here's what the scripture says. Walk with the wise, listen to this, and become wise. Associate with fools and get in trouble. Bottom line, the message says that if you hang out with fools, you're going to watch your life fall to pieces. And that's really a fact. Someone told me years ago, That if you want to see where your life is going to go, take a look at what you're reading and take a look at who you're hanging around with. If you want to know where life is going, if you want to know where anybody's life is going, look at what they're reading and look at who they're hanging around. Because friends aren't neutral. Friends have an effect. Friends will shape you. Friends have a tendency to form, and we'll, we'll talk about that. And if you run with poor friends, then you're going to become worse. If you run with people that are not wise, you're not gonna get any wiser. And, and sometimes parents, and teenagers hear me, sometimes you think parents are being overbearing because they tell you about the people you're running around with. They tell you about the friends that you have and the impact that they have, and you think they're being controlling and you think they're being overbearing. First of all, let me just say this as parents, parents have every right and responsibility to talk to you about your friends, first of all. They have every right and responsibility to do that. Second of all, I'm telling you teenagers, hear me. They're not just saying stuff off the cuff because they've either got some experience or hopefully if you're in a Christian family, they know what the Bible says. And friends do have an impact on your life. And you need to know, and you can't just overlook things and says, well, you know, uh, George is a good person. I know he does this, and I know he does that, and maybe he does a little bit of this, but he's a good person. No, 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 no. You need to be more careful about that because whatever George is doing, George is going to want to do what you are around you. And so you got to be real careful about that. Here's what the Scripture says, 1 Corinthians 15, Don't be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals now let me just back up one more minute I'm going to deal with this when I get to parenting but let me say it while it's on my mind parents whoever your children's friends are you need to know who their parents are you need to know who it is you know you you, you when you say you know this person is like this and this person like this and you know they want to hang out with my child and this child and and, and they're doing things together one of the first things I ask parents is do you know who their parents are that gives you a pretty good indicator of what kind of home life they're coming out of and helps you make better decisions. I didn't really think this message was going to be that tough, but y'all looking at me like Alice in Wonderland. Like I'm just jacking y'all up, but buckle your seatbelts because I'm not going nowhere. I got 27 more minutes. I ain't going nowhere, so hang in there. But let me just, let me just tell you this also, parents. If, if, if Proverbs 13:20 is true, walk with the wise and become wise, associate with fools and get in trouble. Some of the most formative lives you have is when your children are at home. That's some of the most formative lives. That's the area and the place where you need to be intent on who your children are with and who they're around. But can I tell you what I'm seeing nowadays? And you know I'm big on sports, I'm big on extracurricular activities. But nowadays we got our kids in so much stuff, so much sports, so much extracurricular activities. That they're not involved in church, not involved in the youth group at all. They're just going to all these things, all these things. And then they're in public school or some some school all day long. So so you don't see them all day. And then they're involved in all kind of other stuff. And then some of them not even in church. Some parents actually believe that you can let your child stay at home while you go to church and say it's their choice. Can I be honest with you? The heck with that. No, it ain't their choice if you breathe in the air that I provide and the food that I'm, and you sleeping in a bed and driving a car you can't even pay insurance on, and you telling me it's their choice of whether they go to church or not. No, it's not. Wrong answer. Wrong answer. Not their choice. Tell about I don't want to mess them up. you letting them get messed up. And I'm, I'm uh, yeah, I'm getting ready to really get off in your Kool-Aid right now because this is what will happen. You don't don't put them in the things that are important and they don't have a good relationship with you as it is right now. The reason I know is because you come tell me, pastor, can you talk to me and and my children because we don't have a good relationship. And then they go off somewhere and don't believe in God and then you come tell me, I didn't raise them to be like that. Yes, you did. Yes, you did. That's how you raised them. Woo! Good preaching, pastor. Good preaching. That's how you raised them. So you need to be responsible enough to invest yourself in their lives. Now, listen, does it keep them out of trouble? No. I had the Bales bondsman on speed dial for my boys. Matter of fact, one time he called me and said, uh, uh, Tyrone, I just want to tell you, one of your sons is getting arrested. I'll meet you at the bail bond place at 1.30 in the morning. I ain't, and my boys know I ain't lying on them. My girls was angels. My boys, Lord Jesus. We, God is good. God is good. God is good. But I, so I, it, it don't make them perfect. It don't make them right. You ain't perfect and you ain't right. But I'm going to tell you something. My kids will tell you they was in Awana when we done Sunday school. They done Sunday school. They was in youth group. They may not have been all there, if you know what I mean, but they was there they was there because I believe that's my responsibility as a parent is to help uh, those children make the right decisions and this and and, a matter of fact we got a youth lockout going on at the end of this month the kids are going to be locked in into the building for prayer and worship for 24 hours at the last day of the month I'm suggesting I'm encouraging I'm telling you get your child here so they can get invested in by the things of the Lord am I talking to the right church But friends will save you from destruction. Friends will save you if you really let them be friends. Because this is what friends will do. They'll tell you where your blind spots are. And and here's the problem with most of us. Most of us think we don't have any blind spots. Can I just tell you what a blind spot means? You can't see it. (laughs) So when you say, well, I don't have any blind spots. Hello. (laughs) That's why they call blind spots. And and friends that help you see them. If you got friends in your life, they'll tell you, you're blowing it. You're making a bad decision. That's not the right way to go. That's not the good thing to do. I'm not sure that's gonna help you. They may not help you in the marriage, not gonna help you with your children, not gonna help you in life. Friends that do that. Friends that really love you. Friends, they care about you. And honestly, if if you allow yourself to be in that kind of relationship, let me tell you something about spiritual authority and let me tell you something about friends. If you put yourself in that position, then the best thing for you to do is submit yourself to it. Well, now I just got you. Just submit yourself to it. It don't mean that everybody over your life is always going to tell you the thing that is, what you might think is good or best for you, but you're in a trusted relationship. Friends mean that much to me. Friends mean that much to me. I had the privilege when I was at MFI this week, one of the gentlemen that I talked to that's one of our overseers with MFI, when I told him about uh, me uh, engaging in marriage, praying through that, looking through that process, working through that, I told him the one thing I'm going to do besides my children, my elders, which I've done, I said, I'm going to talk to all of the friends that I can, people that know me. And I said, if I get one friend that tells me it's a bad idea, I'm going to listen to that. I had the joy when I saw him in Portland this weekend. The first question he asked me was, he says I I probably already know because I just know how you are. He says, tell me, was there anybody who said no? I said, not one friend told me it was a bad idea. Let me tell you something, folks. That means something to me. That means something to me because people who can speak in your life and you give authority to speak in your life, if you trust them and you invest in them and they're investing in you, then you got to believe they got the best interest for your life. Am I talking to the right church? Yes. Now, let me tell you what Proverbs 27:6 says. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Some folks like to be around the folks that always want to tell them how great they are how wonderful they are, how good they are, and how much we love you, and this and that. And that's, that's all good. Everybody needs a little bit of admiration. But honestly, my grandfather, there was times when I thought my grandfather gave me a, a, a whooping. Can I say whooping? Spanking? He didn't beat me, but, he, but it showed hurt every time. There was times when my grandfather would spank me, and I'm telling you, I had no idea why the spanking was necessary. It's when I got older and I thought about some of those things. I could tell you, I could tell you a few stories. Of At the moment, I thought this, this is like a little bit severe. But then later on in life, I realized, man, this decision I'm making now goes all the way back to that spanking I got with granddaddy 40, 50 years ago. Because you trust people in your life and they see things that you can't see. And you want those folks not to just to be how great you are, how great you are, how much we love you, but people that can really talk to you about it. And don't, let, don't be deceived by Facebook. Facebook ain't friends. <laughs> Facebook ain't friends. You may have some true friends on Facebook, but honestly, you, you can have 1,700 folks on, on Facebook that's listed as friends, but they're not talking to you about the tough stuff in life. Those are not deep, real issues. They're not people that see sinful patterns in your life and want to talk to you about them. That's not the folks who are gonna gonna do that. As a matter of fact, sometimes folks be liking stuff on Facebook and I'm reading and I'm thinking, why in the heck would you like that? Just meddling. I like one of the first, I think it actually was the first uh, Crocodile Dundee. I think it was the first one. When um, old boy went to New York And he was at a party. Some of you might remember this movie. I think it came out in the 80s. He was at a party with a newspaper reporter. And he met this gal who had all kinds of problems. And the reporter said to him, she just went to a shrink. And he said, what's a shrink? And the reporter said, well, that's a person you go to for your problems. Now, he's from Australia. He says, well, doesn't she have any mates? And the lady said, mates? He said, yeah, you know, friends, that's what mates are for. Back home, we tell Wally, Wally tells our other mates, and pretty soon all our problems are taken care of. I know it's a, it's a funky little cheesy scene, but you get the point. Folks going to shrinks and psychologists and everything else, when I'm telling you, good old healthy discipleship and friendship will help us through most of our issues. <laughs> friends take care of us. When life falls apart, listen to what Ecclesiastes says. Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Real trouble. C.S. Lewis said this in Mere Christianity, which, which you know I love that book. He says, when you go through pain, listen to this. When you go through pain, it's not theological reasoning you most need, it's the slightest touch of human sympathy. That's so good. The touch of someone who cares about you is what you need when you're going through pain. So you got to choose your friends carefully. A righteous man is cautious about friendship, Proverbs 12, 26 says. Jesus even chose carefully. This is a statement in a scripture that I think some people might read right through And not get the gist of what was happening here. You remember when Jesus was with Lazarus? Well, sorry, Lazarus was dying, and then Lazarus died, and Jesus got word first that Lazarus was sick, and the Scripture says that Lazarus was a friend of God, a friend of Christ. So they expected him to come, but he didn't. He waited, and then then Lazarus died, and Jesus knew that Lazarus died, but the disciples that was with him didn't know at first that Lazarus had died. And then he said, let's go so we can go see Lazarus. And and Jesus Jesus says, he's sleeping now. And the disciples said, well, if he's sleeping, Lord, then he's doing fine if he's sleeping. And then Jesus said, no, he's—Lazarus is dead. He's died. So let's go with Lazarus. And they said to him, if you go to Jerusalem— They're going to kill you. And Jesus reiterated that, that he knew that this would be it. This would be his last trip into Jerusalem before the cross. Do you remember what Thomas said? Thomas said to the other disciples, then let's go die with him. Thomas said to the other disciples about Jesus, let's go die with him. Do you see the depth of friendship there? Jesus is telling them, Lazarus is dead. Let me go be with Lazarus' family. And then speaks and says, they're going to kill me also. And Thomas says, let's go die with him. Turn to your neighbor and say, that's a friend. That's a friend who says, I'll go die with him. The scripture says that you can have many friends who destroy each other, but a real friend sticks closer than a brother closer than a brother and there's 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 classifications and I don't know if I if I should take too much time with this but I I think you get it in in life there's uh for me I got classifications like I got people that are just acquaintances people that I know people that know me have inter- interaction have contact sporadically they don't ask me any hard questions in life and I don't ask them any hard questions I'm not that invested in their life in that point and they're not that invested in my life. And the scripture tells us in John chapter 2, Jesus had those same kind of people. They said that they wanted to hang around with Jesus and the scripture says that Jesus said he, he knew he couldn't trust himself to them because he, know, he knows what their heart was. And, and so you have those kind of acquaintances. You got casual friends, people that you got some common interests with, people that you make more contact with, people that sometimes you talk about life situations, People that you're not extremely, extremely close to, like you may not see them all the time, but you're close enough to them where you really can consider them friends. Jesus had that also, the scripture says, he was friends with publicans and sinners. Now, honestly, I like to, if I can, I believe this is the area where I think even as believers, we should have friends that are outside of the body of Christ, I know when I, when I was under my grandfather's teaching and one of the first things that they would teach us once we gave our life to the Lord is that you need to get rid of your old friends. I, I never could understand that. I, I thought I did at the time because I know the value and, and, and the, the manner of, you know, me pursuing the Lord and maybe they're not in the same place. But I, but I came to the conclusion one day, how would I ever have an impact and an infection upon them? And honestly, the value that they had in my life and and I've been grateful over the years, even uh, even now as, as pastor of CTC, I could, I could walk through this building and I could point out to you people that I was friends with when I wasn't serving the Lord, people that I remained friends with even after I re, 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 uh, gave my life back to Christ. And even became pastors, they never distanced themselves from me. I'm talking about people like Tony. I'm talking about Kenny. I'm talking about Rod. I'm talking about Chris. I'm talking about Boney. These are people now that are in CTC. They weren't in CTC from the beginning. We used to run around before I was saved. And, and, and they, they, they've almost uh, um, threatened my life if I tell some of the stories that we'd done before uh, we were saved. But, but here's the thing. The, the one thing, the reason I knew they were true friends, even when I gave my life to Jesus— and, and became pastor of the church, I could still go to their house and hang out. They didn't treat me no different. They could come to my house and hang out. We would still do things together because the friendship had such a value and a depth that no matter who I was and was becoming, and no matter who they were and who they were becoming, they saw the value of friendship that's had longevity and has impact through the years. And now every one of them I called out, all of them sitting in CTC, right now and and that's that's not anything i'm not saying anything i've done what i am telling you though is friends mean something to me they meant something to me and they still and they still do and i think that we need to have the mindset that you can have friends outside of christ and outside of the church with the understanding that it's the love of friendship that helps you develop a relationship with them that's good for you and more so also good for them. Am I talking to the right church? Because this is what I learned, and I, I, uh, I, I don't have much money, but, I, but I'm gonna use the biggest bill I got. I, I gotta, uh, let me just tell you about this $20 bill. I can assure you that if, that if I just left this $20 bill sitting here, uh, by the end of the day, somebody gonna pick it up because they know the value of it. Now, if I take this $20 bill, which I will, If I I don't, I won't spit on it, but if I was to spit on it, ball it up, set it down, crush it, and walk away, has it lost its value? It's still a $20 bill. And see, this is what I've learned in my life with people that I consider friends. Even if the things that we value in life at the time are different, their value to me is still the same. It's still the same. They're still a thousand dollars to me. They're still five thousand dollars to me. They still got the same value as a person that they always had. And can I just say one other thing? This person that was all jacked up and balled up and on the ground, that was you and I. And Jesus went to a cross and he didn't look at me for what I had become. He looked at me for what I was going to be because of him and st- extended the same value. That's friendship. That's friendship. Jesus had some closer friends, had the similar life goals. Those folks, we look in the Scripture and we see them to be his disciples. They asked hard questions. Jesus asked them hard questions. They done things together. And Jesus said this to him I'm no longer calling you servants because servants don't understand what their master is thinking and planning. No, I've named you friends because I've let you in on everything I've heard from the Father. There's those closer friends that we all have in life. And then there's those those intimate friends. And even Jesus described those. those, And I honestly think you can only have a few of those. One, two, or three, three, maybe four, close, close friends. People, though, that you can absolutely come apart in front of. You've heard me say this. Everybody needs somebody in their life that they can absolutely come apart in front of and know when they finish coming apart, not only is that person not going to judge them, but love them and help them put themselves back together. You, you understanding me? I can tell you numerous times, some days I've went over there to talk to Jane and I'm walking in strutting like a peacock because I'm feeling good about myself and we're celebrating. Sometimes I'll go over there and talk to her and I melt down like no man should melt down in front of anybody in their house, slobbering and carrying on all over the place. But every time I walk out of that house, I'm feeling like, man, Jesus just ministered to me. You got to have those kind of folks in your life that you can be completely honest with because they speak the word of Christ to you. Jesus had Peter, James, and John. They saw things that other folks didn't see. That's why we value life groups. That's why we believe life groups is so important because you can come in here and you can be part of a mass every single week. But oftentimes people leave churches or leave communities because they haven't developed any real friendships. Friendships. And I'm telling you, we provide that through our life groups. That's one of the reasons that we do them, not only for the Word, but for community, for fellowship, where you can do life together. You're not going to get it all listening to me week after week. You're not going to. You've got to work this stuff out. You've got to live this stuff out. You need people in your life who will help you live it out. And that's why our small groups, our life groups are so, so important. Some of the people in your small groups might be just acquaintances. Some of them may develop to be close to friends. Some of them may develop to be intimate friends. But that's how we do life. That's how we learn to walk together. That's how we trust other people in our life who Christ is living in them. And as the church gets bigger, the only way to get smaller is for you to be in one of these life groups. And so we, we encourage that. That's one manner in which we can help you make friends in the church. But let me, let me close with this. I think, you, I think you got enough about friends to at least get an idea of what the Scripture is saying about it. But there's no way to talk about friends without talking about the most reliable friend we have, and that's Jesus. If anybody epitomized what friendship is, it's Jesus. If anybody gave us an understanding of friendship, it's Jesus. And it's not necessarily, it is part of what we see with him with Peter, James, and John. It's part of what we see him with Lazarus and Mary and and Martha. It's part of what we see with him with the disciples. We, it's even part of what we see with him with the, public, the publicans and the sinners. But Jesus said the real definition of friendship is this. He says, greater love has no man than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. Now, I want you to hear this. We, we sing the song, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. And there's a reason for that. Because honestly there's going to be times in our life no matter how close we are to other people when the only one that can really, really love you in the way that you need to be loved at that moment in your life is the Lord Jesus Christ. And the reason we know that he will and the reason we know that he can is because he done the ultimate expression of love of giving his life. Now I'm going to ask you Do you know anybody else that told you, I'm going to give my life for you so that you can have an eternal relationship with the God of the planet. I'm going to take on all of your sins. I'm not going to bring you into judgment any longer because I'm taking on your sins. I'm going to forgive all your sins. I know all your hurts. I know all your emotional struggles. I know all your mental struggles. I know all of your issues. I know your sadness. I know your downheartedness. I know the things that affect you. I know the things that challenge you. I know the obstacles in life. I'm going to take all of those things and I'm going to go to a cross and I'm going to die for you so that you would have the most ultimate relationship that anybody could have. And that's with God the Father. It's a relationship that's holy, that's pure, that's righteous. It has no guile in it. It's not false. It's certain. It's steady. It's steadfast. He's always present, always loving, always kind, always good, always one of the best. The ultimate relationship we could have is a a friend in the Lord, Jesus Christ. He's always there. He's always steady. He said, I'll never leave you or never forsake you. He proved that when he died on that cross. We sing that song What a Friend We Have in Jesus. It was written by an Irishman, a guy by the name of Joseph Scriven. He immigrated to Canada and he was engaged to a young girl. And they had a very good courtship. On the eve of their wedding, she, dro- she died in a drought. She drowned accidentally. He was in great grief. He walked through the grieving process for days and then started sensing a presence that he says almost miraculously started getting him to walk through the process with some hope, knowing that there was still life ahead knowing that there was still goodness ahead, knowing that there was still grace. And he wrote these words of this song, He says, what a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Do your friends despise and forsake you? Take it to the Lord in prayer. In his arms, he'll take and shield you. You will find solace there. That's the end goal for us. Friends will come and go. The scripture says that we don't want them to, but they will. People work off emotions. People work off attitudes. People work off thought processes. People work off criticism. They work off judgmentalism. Here's the thing about Jesus. He knows everything about me and still loves me. Knows everything about you and still loves you. And this is what he says. And and I love the passage. Actually, it's my, not in my notes, but but I believe I can find it. I think it's in Psalm 139. It's it's actually one of my favorite promises in Scripture. No, it's not 139. It's the passage where the Lord said. Uh, maybe it's 116. Hold on for a minute. You're not going nowhere, are you? Just stay right there for just a minute. No, it's not 116. It's the passage where the, where, the, where the Scripture says that David says, I have no one else but you. And he says, you take me by my right hand and you guide me. But not only do you guide me in the path of life, he says, but you take me right up to eternity. That's the kind of friend I'm talking about. You got friends that you're sitting next to, you got friends who are great in your life and they're amazing. But I'm going to tell you something. Not one of these friends that I've talked about, even today, not one of them can give me eternal life. Only one friend, only one friend who sticks closer than a brother can make a promise to me that I, Tyrone Jones, will take your sins, I will take them to a cross, and every sin you committed, I will forgive it if you just trust me to be a friend for life. I think that's how I got this title, because the Scripture says that Abraham was called a friend of God. But, but, you know, I've heard God call me a friend. That's why I say friends are us. Friends are us maybe you and I, but friends are us, me and him, because he's the only one that says, man, I got you. All the way to eternity. Jesus is a true friend. Everybody stand if you would. I'm going to ask the team to come. We're going to do a couple of things here. We're going to pray. The altars are going to be open. The prayer team can come. And I want to say there's, I'm thankful for those that are praying even now as we're in service. Two people are praying for us. They're praying for you. They're praying. We talk about friends and bringing friends and having friends in church. I want you to, I encourage you to invite your friends to church. Because we're going to have two people praying every single week that Christ would do a tremendous work, not only in our life, but in the life of them. If you want to help us with that, please indicate it on the Connect card if you want to be part of that team. But we're going to do a couple of things. The altar is going to be open for prayer. You may, This may be the day that you've, you, you understand that you need to give your life to Christ. Also want to pray for uh, AJ and Sarah, if you guys will come. We're going to get around them. Lauren, I want you to come. The elders, we're going to lay hands on you, man, that God will will uh, just completely heal you. But the altars will be open. Whatever the needs are, you can come. We're going to go into a song of worship and then we'll close out the service. Father, I want to thank you just for being a God of so much grace and, and so much love. I want to thank you for being just amazing. No, no matter how I share these messages and these words, there is, there's nothing that I can say that really describes how good of a friend you are. We just live it out, and and we're all amazed. Matter of fact, there's so many times that even of our own mouths, you're so good to us as a friend that we say, man, God is just amazing or unbelievable. And so, Lord, my desire is I I do want people in the house of the Lord today to have some real true friendships. But ultimately, Lord God, I want everyone to know you as a friend. And I I ask you, Lord, to minister to the hearts, through the message, through the word. Again, it wasn't perfect. Probably things could have been said better. But I pray, Holy Spirit, you do a work that not only will people understand the investment of people in their lives, but also above all will understand the investment you gave for us through your son, Jesus Christ. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Can you say amen?